Westbound I-96 construction closing the right two lanes between Newburgh Road and 275 with stop-and-go traffic from Merriman Road and M14 westbound right two lanes closed between 275 and Sheldon Road. I'm Eddie Zellick, WJR, traffic and weather first. Plenty of sun today as the high hits 81 and then overnight a clear sky with a low of 59. Clouds will increase through Friday afternoon with a slight chance for a thunderstorm popping up as the high hits 83. From the Weather Channel, I'm meteorologist Jeff Marr on Newstalk 760 WJR. Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and welcome to our live weekly medical show on 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is here with us again to tell you what you need to know about how early screening and knowing your profile can lead to the avoidance of heart attack and stroke altogether. Pre-screening and simple non-invasive tests can actually prevent Alzheimer's and many other chronic diseases. If you have any questions, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls, so please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. We'll be repeating it throughout the show, and this is your chance to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to 760 WJR. If you're just now joining us, I'd like to let you know that we're welcoming you to our special weekly medical radio show on 760 WJR. We're back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention in Birmingham, Michigan. He's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, welcome back. We're always glad to have you here live and being willing to take live calls from all the listeners out there. What's new this week that we need to know about? Well, what is new is that the, uh, again, I'm not sure I care to talk about COVID that much anymore, but if listeners want to call and ask COVID questions, feel free. But the Novavax vaccine is becoming available to people. Uh, possibly in the fall. And I've got my patients calling to ask me about whether they should get another booster or whether they should wait for the Novavax vaccine. And you might think, well, why are my patients asking me those questions when they know how I feel about vaccines? Um, I think some of the listeners may know more about how I feel about vaccines than my patients do. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm advising my patients that, uh, just as I tell all of you, that I would not get another mRNA um, or DNA COVID vaccine. Now, the Novavax is considered a more traditional type vaccine, but given the way the FDA has been vetting and studying and uh, researching these vaccines, I don't feel safe um, recommending anything from the FDA related to COVID anymore. So I'm not now, I've got patients that don't care. They just want a vaccine. So I'm telling them to wait for the Novavax as opposed to getting a fourth shot um, of the standard fare. But um, again, I'm not recommending, you know, you know fool me once, uh, shame on me and shame on all of us. Uh, there's no way we're going to have people do that. Well, I think a lot of people are being led by the restrictions that they get from entry into certain places, be it certain countries or 
you know, certain venues or even maybe your job. I mean, I, I think that's why people are, you know, they're they're asking whether or not they're going to be able to, to be permitted to get into a place without having to prove they've had a booster shot. Well, the only places, you know, most countries have released all their restrictions and you can travel freely back and forth between most countries without a vaccine anymore or having been boosted or even to report your vaccine status. So the only places that are a real issue is Canada, which we hear about regularly from David, who's stuck there and can't do anything he wants to do. And um, he's being restricted from going he somewhere. He can't go anywhere even within Canada. So the rest of us can go in and out of the United States without any issues. Most countries now don't have any vaccine restrictions. So again, Canada is the main issue. You know, is our local neighbor that is, uh, you know, not making any changes. And the only reason otherwise to talk about COVID is the mandates for the vaccines, which uh, again we're, we'll consider useless, and the fact that they're being part of the childhood vaccination program, which makes no sense at all. Did that come no into comments. effect? It's happening. I mean, does that mean kids are not going to be admitted to school unless they can prove that they've well, had these boosters? That, that whole thing's a process, and that's where it's going. Um, I have a patient who's been on the show. It's been a long time since she's been, she's been on the show. But um, we can tell her story because it's an interesting story. But her son is 17 who does not want to get vaccinated, and she respects his opinion and desire not to be vaccinated. The state of Michigan sent her a letter on behalf of her son or 17 year old son warning of his health risks of not being vaccinated. So he's had all of his usual childhood vaccines, such as measles, mumps, rubella, uh -huh. um, tetanus, diphtheria, but oh, he's yeah. not had right in polio, but he's not had meningitis. He's not had pneumonia or um, uh, HPV vaccines. Uh -huh. You know, and why, you know, if he doesn't want to, then don't. You know, why is the state giving a threatening letter to the mother about their kid not getting vaccinated for the, I'm going to call them optional. You know, I don't know, again, I never really looked at the childhood vaccine um, recommendations or orders. They're not really recommendations, they're a mandate um, until COVID. And I'm, I don't understand why we're vaccinating healthy kids for pneumonia or hepatitis B when healthy kids don't get vac pneumonia yeah, or hep right. B, you know, uh, it's just why, you know, that's and, a good and, question. Is it, is it required to get into school or to be re-registered in the school? It is could that the be, problem? it could be, mm -hmm. depends on the school, but mm -hmm. you've got to give your whole vaccine record that you've had, uh, you know, the chicken pox vaccine, who cares? You know, those are, for the most part, childhood illnesses that you recover from and don't have any sequelae if you get the disease um, and you're getting a vaccine. Now I've got to question all of them. You know, am I in my real life practice? No, because I'm an adult heart prevention specialist and I'm not a, you know, I, this is not my, not where I'm spending my energy other than talk about it on the show. So we don't know then whether or not come fall, whether or not the schools are going to be able to. Oh, it's to, happening. Is it, it just, going to I mean, happen though? I mean, uh, well, actually. Whatever time frame it happens, it's happening. I mean, what's a person to do? If you don't have any choice, you can't stay at home. You've got to be educated. I mean, there isn't any other choice for most people. Well, like we said, um, business will fill the void that needs filling. And if there's, if schools need to be developed for children that don't want to be vaccinated, 
they will develop. Sad state of affairs, and it's going to affect a lot of people. In the meantime, we're going to have to take a quick break. Again, you are listening to our weekly live medical radio show where we keep you up to date on all medical solutions from dealing with COVID to avoiding catastrophic disease. We're here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to prevent or reverse disease, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. If you're just now joining us, I'd like to let you know that we're welcoming you to our special weekly medical radio show on 760 WJR. We're back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention in Birmingham, Michigan. He's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, back on you. Are we going to continue on with the COVID vaccines? No, or? no, I'm done. We're done. If the listeners done. have questions, feel free to ask. But, uh, you know, I thought we'd talk more about prevention. I think it's time to focus our show um, and talk more about practical matters and prevention. Right. And so I want to share a story about a patient who I saw today, and I, we talked about her son and the vaccine, the state sending threatening letters about not being vaccinated. Um, you know, this is a lady we had in the show three years ago, you know, when the show started mm-hmm. and she was having atypical chest pain, which is just chest pain that didn't really sound heart related to me, but she went to the cardiologist who did a CT um, corner artery, uh, not a calcium score, but an arteriogram. So this mm-hmm. is a, a CAT scan with dye that looks at blood flow. Mm-hmm. So she gets this test and the radiologist reads this as totally normal. You mm-hmm. know, she has no plaque at all. Mm-hmm. And the cardiologist reassures her that the chest pain that she's having is not cardiac and that she should never need a statin because she doesn't have plaque. Well, it takes me another year to talk her into a CIMT, you know, because the cardiologist said she's fine. Does that test absolutely let you see that there is no plaque? Is that guaranteed when you've had that test? It's on a, you know. Uh... Absolutely not. Right. The okay. calcium, we're talking about the CT arteriogram. Right. So the problem with blood flow tests, especially CT arteriograms and even a heart catheterization, which when I was a resident, that was the gold standard for identifying disease. The problem is, it only shows what's between the artery walls, mm-hmm. not the walls itself. And if mm-hmm. you're a regular listener, you understand that heart attacks and strokes are caused by plaque rupture, which occurs within the walls of the artery. Mm-hmm. So the artery walls will expand to accommodate plaque to maintain flow. And that's been known for like 50 years. Mm-hmm. That if you've got plaque, your arteries will expand to maintain flow. And this is why people who go and have a stress test and die the next day or a week or month later, and they pass the stress test with flying clothes, it's because they didn't have a flow problem at that time. And they had a dangerous artery that is below the resolution of that st- of that study. So this lady, will will cut it short because we got a caller, but this lady... 
a year later agrees to get a CIMT. What do we discover? She's got a ton of plaque and high risk plaque, nonetheless, not just plaque period, but high risk plaque that is totally missed on a standard. Um, I wouldn't call getting a CTR teogram a diagnostic test. That's well, or a screening test. That's diagnostic because you're doing it because of a symptom. Right. That's really, you know, it's unbelievable how you just can't trust the cardiologist to give you the right tests or tell you what, what the tests are that you should get. But you were lucky, she was lucky enough that you were able to find it. Well, uh, now she's just got to listen to me and we'll go in the details. You got a caller? All right, we've got a caller, yes. Ashley. We have Greg calling from Shelby. Greg, what's your question? Hey, you guys, Mr. Positive. Hey, Dr. Collender, I love that you go against the grain. I'm going to change my question and I love it because you're talking about pliability of the arterial walls. And I think you're alluding to good, vigorous exercise to make those arterial walls pliable. And um, I just think that uh, people have to understand that you just nailed it. The plaque buildup, the arterial stiffness, and uh, the pliability is what we're looking for so they can expand and contract without uh, fracturing and with plaque uh, buildup. I've done a little bit of research, as you can tell, and uh, I just wanted to thank you because you just really got me, giving me goosebumps there because uh, when you talked about pliability of the uh, arterial walls. But uh, that's basically it, my friend, and uh, have a great week ahead. Well, thank you, and thanks for calling. And, uh, you know, arterial stiffness um, is a data point that can identify risk. Now, I don't use that in my office specifically because I think that the – other diagnostic tools and lab work that we have is better. Um, so I'm not using arterial stiffness as a risk assessment, but it is available uh, for some practices that use it. Um, I happen to love the CIMT, getting a CT calcium score for those that we need it. And, um, and then the labs together uh, tell a story. Um, but the labs don't always tell the story which is why you've got to get the diagnostic or screening imaging, if however you want to call it, to see the disease that we're treating. So this lady, um, you know, ironically has excellent lipids. She does not have high blood pressure. She does not have insulin resistance. You know, all, all of these things that we look at uh, traditionally as your root causes of disease, she passes all of those, you know, eye tests, perfectly. So, you know, she's totally missed by the whole system, not just her cardiologist, but by the American Heart Association who creates the, you know, the formula by which we determine risk. And that formula fails all of us. Well, you see, it's incumbent upon everybody, every listener and every patient to know that they've got to be their own advocate and find out what tests they need to get. But Ashley, you have callers? Yes, we have Carol calling from Fremont, Ohio. Carol, what's your question? Um, I'm supposed to go to Australia and New Zealand in January. I had COVID in November of 2020. Um, I have natural immunity, I hope. And um, I don't want to get the shot, but how do I get into the countries? Do I get a card? Can I get a religious exemption card or some sort of card to get into the countries that are still whacked out about this? Well, and Australia is one of them, and I have a horrible story to tell you. So this same lady 
who I've talked about her son and I'm talking about her health. And so she told me that one of her friends was planning to see their grandchildren in Australia because they're from Australia. He happens to be working in the United States. So he gets his booster to go to Australia because they're very strict there and you have to be up to date completely. He dies the next day in his sleep. Uh. He gets a booster. Sorry. So this is going to, so he gets his booster to go to visit his grandkids. He hasn't seen two years. He's dead the next morning. His wife finds him in bed dead. And don't tell me that wasn't the booster. Um, it is a failure of our healthcare system, not just to be demanding vaccines, but that, this gentleman wasn't not identified as an at-risk person because he probably didn't meet the criteria set forth by the American Heart Association. Well, I'm digressing. So to answer your question, you know, if you have chronic illness, you know, again, some other problem that, you know, a story could be told that you're not a candidate for a vaccine because of some other health problem, that might work, or you're changing prescriptions, or you've got a mental health issue, your meds are changing. I mean, all of it's kind of made up, to be honest, but anything you can do or say to get you from getting vaccinated, um, I would try. Uh, but I don't know how to get into Australia, you know, which... I you think know, you need to worry about getting out of Australia. Right, right. I think you have to think about getting out, and I'm, yeah. I'm voting for the fact that it's not going to happen. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one when you're dealing with other countries, especially that far away. Right. So. Well, we may have to uh, we may kind have of to pick table, up these questions until the next segment. We table this, this conversation until after the next, the next yeah. segment. Callers, because, please hold on. Yeah, callers. <laughs> In the meantime, we're going to have to take a quick break. You are listening to a special live medical broadcast on the prevention and medical management of disease. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you ought to do to avoid heart attack and stroke, or you have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on 760 WJR. We are fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. Please tune in to our weekly shows Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. and live Thursday at 7. We're inviting you to call in with your questions and talk to the doctor directly at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. 0957. I'm going directly to Ashley because she has at least four callers backed up. Ashley. Yes, we have Darlene calling in St. Clair Shores. Darlene, what's your question? Um, yes. Hi. First of all, I'd like to say thank you very much, doctor, um, for doing this show. Um, I actually am one of those people that was pro-vaccination. I went and got both vaccines. I've had both boosters. Um, the reason being, I have bronchial asthma and diabetes, so I thought I was um, being proactive. I um, had, in taking care of myself, I had no issues with the first two vaccines nor the first booster. However, following the second booster, I have experienced numbing and tingling down my left arm. I did go into pr my primary care doctor 
she does not believe it's related to the vaccine. I actually went back to the pharmacist and they said, oh, maybe you'd have some tingling for a couple days. But like this continues since April and I'm just not really sure uh, whether to go to a sports medicine doctor. My doctor suggested perhaps I have a pinched nerve. But like I said, this was not an issue until, I mean, directly following my second booster. And I'm wondering if you think it can be related and they just don't talk about it or report it or just your thoughts, please. Well, thanks for calling, Darlene. The, um, you cannot assume that it's COVID right off the bat because there's no way to prove that it's COVID. There's just no way. So you just got to go with the common things first. And like your doctor said, a pinched nerve in your neck can cause numbness and tingling down your arm. And so can carpal tunnel syndrome. And that is fairly easy to diagnose, both of them, and fairly manageable to treat. So go ahead and just go the normal route and and manage it like, like COVID doesn't exist. Because if it is, there's nothing you can do about it right now. Just get it anyway. fixed. Most importantly, just, just get right, it fixed. Do the normal things. All right, Ashley, who's next? We have David calling from Windsor. David, what's your question? It's related to, I don't, I know that you don't want to hear about it. <laughs> but the thing is, it's about COVID-19 vaccination mandate and camp. Many times they're, they're, they seem to be pretty adamant here up in the Muskoka's about keeping that vaccine mandate done by the federal government. And it's not the provincial government, but it's the federal government, I believe, that is making it difficult for each one of us, which causes a great deal of divide among those unvaccinated and non and, and vaccinated, which is another topic in and of itself. But the thing is, just being able to go and get and attend a camp without having to be forced to get vaccinated like that. To me, it's just like living in a world of Hitlerian ideas, which I'm not too familiar with. The person as an individual should be able to decide on their own as adults to figure out whether they want to get that vaccine or whether they don't, and also study the side effects that can come with that. What do you, well, appreciate what do your you call, do? David. You no, know, I agree with everything you just said, and I'm sorry you're living in that environment, and um, hopefully Canada comes to their senses sooner than later. I really hope so. All right. Well, Ashley, let's move on. Yes, we have Jeff calling from Mansfield. Jeff, what's your question? Hi, Dr. Colliner. Listen, I'm very concerned about doctors' reaction to prescribing uh, tested therapies that actually work against COVID. I, I have a polyethylene glycol uh, sensitivity. Learned that before colonoscopy where I almost died uh, taking Miralax before a colonoscopy. The hard way, uh, I survived by taking just a teaspoon, uh, but still ended up in a poison clinic the night before my colonoscopy. Those who are not doctors like I am and can self-prescribe, how do they get a, uh, a physician in an emergency room to prescribe ivermectin, zinc, and a Z-pack without the headaches of, and the risks of just dying because doctors will lose their license or their fear of losing their license for prescribing known uh, treatments that work? Well, thanks for calling. And the good news is nowadays these, you know, uh, Omicron BA5 strains are highly contagious, but not that virulent. So, you know, it's spreading like wildfire, fire, but not causing that much illness. I'm not treating anybody for anything anymore. Um, I've not found ivermectin, 
hydroxychloroquine, monoclonal antibodies. Um, I'm definitely not using Paclovid because it's as untested as any drug I've ever heard of. So I'm not using those. Uh, but I agree, back in the day when those drugs were needed to keep you alive, um, what we talked about on the show then was, and this is appropriate for future reference, is find the doctor ahead of time who's going to help you so you don't have to go to the emergency room and be at the mercy of some random person who will or will not treat you. Um, so it requires uh, preparation. Have the right doctor, interview them, get to know what their preferences are and their feelings about things so you're not in this situation ever, so that you can call your doctor and get the drugs that you're, and the treatment you expect. All right, Ashley, we have another caller. Yes, we have Mark calling from Howell. Mark, what's your question? Yeah, quickly, I'm a uh, type 2 diabetic. I've been working on it for three years with low-carb diet. and It improved my numbers a lot. I'm healthy weight now, and and uh, but I'm paying the price for years of eating wrong. So um, I, I had a calcium score done the early part of this year, and it was like 2,600, extremely high. Um, I did have a stress test done after that, and I know that's not necessarily exactly what to look at, but it was fine. And now I have a CMT coming up in two weeks. Uh, my question, and and I think, and I'm taking a low dose rezuvastatin from an inflammatory, anti-inflammatory standpoint. So I'm doing a lot of things that are right. I'm pretty darned healthy for my age, and. My question is, is when I get the CIMT done, my assert, my thought is it's probably going to, might be a lot of plaque, but it's more on the stable side than not the liquid side. We'll see. But how much reversal can I do with, you know, additional supplementation of, you know, omega-3s or some different different ideas to, to try to reduce that? How much of that plaque? can kind of be reversed a little bit or in, in reasonable amount. Well, um, feel before we stop, feel free to call back in a few weeks when you get the same T results, you know, so we can talk uh, with more substantial data. But, but well, getting I, a... I actually am seeing a doctor, a prevention doctor that's in the same similar group that you are. So Oh, great. Okay, good. Well, you're in good hands then. Um, what I would do, well, first of all, um, getting a repeat CT calcium score is useless. It's not a great way to measure progress because the number can fluctuate and that number no longer represents like a change in your risk. Um, it just doesn't work that way. It's really about identifying plaque and then moving forward. Um, so I, you're not, getting another CT calcium score is not going to gauge your risk. But you can expect to, I mean, there isn't any reason you can't expect to fully heal your IMT numbers, whatever they may be, and reduce your risk uh, for heart disease. And um, we've got a patient in the practice with a similar story to you, and we're going to have him back on uh, one of these weeks just to say, hey, where's your progress to date? But um, he's only on a low-dose statin and nothing else, um, and we've reduced all of his plaque and IMTs to normal, but I don't, I'm not repeating his calcium score. It's not going to tell me anything. 
But yeah, you can re- you can improve your risk with medical management. Right, medical management. Absolutely. Well, good luck. Anyway, in the meantime, we're going to have to take a quick break. You are listening to a special live broadcast tonight where the topic is your health and how to prevent disease. When we come back, if you have a specific question on the subjects we're discussing tonight and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. That the FDA has approved, I got to really question them. Welcome back to the final segment of our special weekly live broadcast here on News Talk 760 WJR. On the, on, the, on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat chronic and debilitating disease. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician, and one of the very few specialists in prevention in this country. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Yes, Amory. What happened? Nothing. We're good to go. Are we ready to go? We're I thought right. it was Show's a... on. No, it's uh, the clock's ticking. Okay, I thought that we had some kind of... <laughs> no, we're good. Okay, so... Just uh, Ashley panicked. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay, Ashley. I thought it was the wrong time at first on the... Right. She oh, looked no. at the clock technical, instead of the timer. Te- yeah. Technical, technical right. problems okay. here. All right, so we're back. So we're back. You know, people still have uh, COVID questions, which is, you know, the shame is that um, trust has eroded in the system mm-hmm. when you can no longer trust institutions that are supposed to be um, beyond reproach, then, you know, we have issues. And the only reason to talk about this again in my mind is because these same institutions are the ones that are keeping you from getting true preventive care. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the tools are available, the, you know, methodologies available. Um, we just live in a system where there's got to be a pill for every problem. And you should be on every pill in the world because you have every problem in the world. They keep lowering the diagnostic threshold for everything. So, um, that's our problem when prevention, um, like Greg said, is possible when you pay attention to lifestyle. Right. Now, granted, it's not just lifestyle. You need the guidance to, to tell you what to do. Like, again, this lady I saw today, bad inflam- inflammatory artery disease, at risk, normal lipids, normal blood pressure, um, no insulin resistance. What do we tell her? You know, we're on, I'm on a hunt with her to find the hidden drivers of disease. I strongly suspect she has sleep apnea. We've looked at her oral health as a non-issue. And she may have some other genetic-related issues that are putting her in this situation. And when most people hear the term genetics, what do you think? That you inherited it from your mother and father. What or is, somebody in your family. But what does it do for you? Like, you know, I think, how do you, how does it make you feel about your, your fate? Well, I think that a lot of people just think that, you know, genetically speaking, if I'm going to inherit it, I'm going to inherit it. If, you know, mother and father and their, 
grandparents all died of a heart attack, then people take the doom and gloom position that, well, I'm probably, that's in it for me as well. And that's what I hear from patients. They either, you know, want to assume that they're going to be okay because they have some positive behaviors or they resign themselves to some early death right. because it runs in the family and I'm doing all that I can do. The idea that you could do test, simple testing that identifies your risk creates a plan to avoid this path no matter what your genetic outcome is. Right. You know, so genetics does not mean that you're on this unwavering path. It just means that these are signposts. Right. And and I've got patients come in and they go, how'd I do? It's not how'd you do, it's how are you doing? And these are just places to make adjustments in our plan, places that we learn more about you so that we can make recommendations about changing your lifestyle, how you exercise, how you eat, how you sleep, um, how you manage stress. And those are all factors that are foundational to prevention. But again, they're not the whole thing. But see, I always come back to the fact that you have to have a shepherd. You have to have a doctor who is going to be like you are on top of the case 24-7. I mean, your patients have, you know, easy access to you. They're texting you. They're calling you over the weekend and the evenings. You're watching what they're doing. You're following up on their care. It's not the same thing all over in other offices. And that's why when we were talking about PAs earlier, not everybody's got a doctor that's sitting on top of the PA making sure that the patient's getting the right care. Well, that, per, you know, that's in a different environment. You know, that's, an, that's a high volume environment where the doctor's seeing 40 people a day, the PA's seeing 20 people a day. And that seems like a lot of time to the listener. And a lot of stuff it's can still fall not a through, lot of time. You know, a lot of stuff can fall through the cracks. So I'm sure there's all kind of horror stories about PAs doing this and that. And there's all kinds of horror stories of doctors doing this or that, you know, to fill a lot of books. None of those books answer the problem and give a solution. And, you know, so we're giving solutions here, which is the tests that you need, the labs that you need, and the processes that you need to take into uh, put into play to put yourself on the path to health. And yeah, you need somebody to shepherd you down that road. Yeah, but as you've said many times on the show, there are not many places that offer and do the CIMT, which is kind of the gold standard test to find out how much plaque you have and how serious the plaque you have is. Let's supposing somebody gets a prescription, gets a CIMT, you've always said it needs to be interpreted by the right person. And then you have to take action beyond that. And this caller that called, I'm kind of hoping he's seeing one of my associates in my office. <laughs> I don't know who he's saying that's, you know, doing CIMTs, but um, we know plenty of offices that do, you know, I can't say plenty. I just know that when I've seen other people get CIMTs, their recommendations are still very pedestrian and right. not geared toward recognizing the data that they've had collected to put on a path. Although that caller did seem very well informed. Oh, yeah, no, he seemed as though he was on top of his game, but that's, like, very rare to get a caller like that. But, you know, we had the caller before had a CT calcium score of 2,600. Well, that's what I'm talking about. He, yeah, but he I mean... He's getting, a, he's getting the same you know, but Yeah, right, but I'm just saying, at least he's staying on top of it. You right, know? well, he went to get the test. Right. You know, it's scary You get a, if you get a 1,000. Well, what we did not talk about to him, because um, we ran out of time, is that when you have a calcium score 
over a thousand, right. you have a higher risk of all cause mortality. Mm -hmm. That means you are at a higher risk to die from any other cause mm -hmm. than the normal population, which right. is very scary to me. And you just got to stay on top of every little health thing that you come across and you can't mm -hmm. ignore any symptoms about anything. Mm -hmm. Well, I was also actually thinking about a call we got a, you know, a few weeks back or maybe a month or so where a caller called in and he, it was 2,500 his score was. And then he's like, what do I do with this? You know, he, he got the prescription to go, he got the test and then he's calling in asking you and you're like, okay, go straight to the hospital. Well, I know I wouldn't tell someone to go straight to the hospital unless they well, were having serious, chest though. pain. Right. Well, the number is is really just screening for disease and recognizing that they have that disease. Right. If you're not having chest pain or shortness of breath or symptoms that are very suspicious of angina, heart disease, then you don't need to be in the hospital. You need a medical workup. Right. You know, but that guy, that caller you're talking about was a while ago. Mm -hmm. His doctor told him repeat the CAT scan, mm -hmm. which is an utter waste of time and represents a total lack of understanding of how to manage prevention, which I hate to say it, very few doctors know what to do. That's a sad state of affairs, though. Well, they don't, and it just keeps going on and on. I mean, we can talk about this forever. And the, you know, mm -hmm. just what's going on this in this healthcare environment, it's a joke. Mm -hmm. um, so so you that's have why we're here, educate yeah. you about what to do and put Absolutely. you on the right path. Be your own advocate and make sure that you get the pointed in the right direction, get the right tests. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. So I'd quickly like to thank Dr. Brian Collender, MD, specialist in prevention for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Collender Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we hope you've gotten some useful information tonight on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Please continue to tune in to our show Sunday afternoon at 3, Thursday evening at 7 for the latest medical updates. And thanks for listening to 760 WJR. Good night and be well.